Welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. If this is your first time, we're happy to have you. If this is a return visit, you already know we're about to get into some shenanigans. I'm Danielle. I'm Jackie. We're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of our favorite movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. Well, Danielle, we did it. This is our second episode. No one, unless they're lying to us, no one told us we were shit and not to do this anymore. So. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we can pack it up then. We've peaked. <laughs> 30k uh, views on TikTok uh, for one of our TikTok. I love the TikToks. Very excited. <laughs> if you don't follow us on social, please do. We're not too proud to beg. It's <laughs> no more late fees on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you know, the regs. Spotify. Um, we're on Google now, Anchor FM, and hopefully soon on Apple. So keep an eye out. We'll announce when we finally get the approval of the huge conglomerate Apple when we're on there. (laughs) I hear this week is a disaster movie. Sure is. Some may say they're in more ways than one. Little history lesson, April 15th is the anniversary of the day the Titanic sank. So we thought it would be fitting to dedicate this episode to the blockbuster Titanic. Tell us a little bit about this movie, Danielle. Sure thing. Unless you lived under a rock in 1997, one of the highest grossing films of all time called Titanic came out and the fanfare hit everyone like an iceberg like that. See what I did there? (laughs) Written and directed by James Cameron of Terminator fame and starring Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Titanic was an epic romance as well as a disaster film. The film incorporates both historical and fictional aspects to the storyline, giving insights to the viewers what it would have been like to be aboard the unsinkable Marvel. But before we start, you know, we've got to do our ratings rewind. So here's how it goes. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating of our Y2K versions of ourselves we give. And then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it slash would buy it again. The best would play on repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same-day rental. You know it. Trash. Straight up trash. Okay. What did Y2K Danielle think of Titanic? (sighs) I feel like hardcore Titanic fans are going to hate me, but I have to say same-day rental. I believe (laughs) that my heart will go on believing this movie is straight trash. What's your rating, Jackie? So when the... The movie first came out, my mom bought it on VHS and there were two VHS. (laughs) There was part one and part two. Y2K Jackie would only watch the second video because that's when the boat started sinking. And I would say same day rental, but this movie is 80 hours long. So it would have to be a two day rental just to get through this shit. (laughs) But uh, Y2K Jackie... Not a huge fan of the love story. Get into the action. Let's see some people go down with the ship. (laughs) The funny thing is, you know, if you cut out all the modern time scenes from the movie and you just keep the 1912 events, the movie would actually be two hours and 40 minutes long, which is exactly how long it took the ship to sink. So thanks, James Cameron, for all the meticulous thinking behind us being tortured for that long with that storyline. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
Okay, so let's go ahead and get into it. Titanic is a big-ass ship built in 1912, the largest of its time and touted as unsinkable. On today's episode, we'll be discussing our favorite and most hated characters, the music, the theme of arrogance, some historical facts and behind-the-scenes secrets about the movie's production, and give you our current ratings for the film. As Jackie would say, buckle up, it's going to be... A bumpy ride. Tis, truly. (laughs) (laughs) So we start out, it's present day, and there's a crew doing some exploratory scavenging of the Titanic. They have their little robots called Snoop Dogg. (laughs) I don't remember. I just Uh, know they're they're on the hunt. The crew literally said, Snoop Dogg is on the move. Oh. (laughs) I wrote it down. (laughs) And essentially, it's this guy, he knows that there's this really big diamond that was aboard the Titanic. They knew who was in possession of it. And so it seems like he is spending an exorbitant amount of money to try and find this diamond at the bottom of the ocean floor. You realize that they bring up a safe and they open it and they're all excited because it's payday. And no diamond, but there is this sketching of this nude woman wearing the diamond. And so that's kind of how the movie kicks off. This little old lady sees uh, some sort of news cast about it. And she was like, bitch, that's me. And so she contacts them. They don't believe her at first. And then she starts regaling the story of her time on the Titanic. I think I forgot Bill Paxton was in this movie, which was a real treat right in the beginning when, you know, I had so much anxiety of having to watch this movie again. And I was like, oh, there's Bill. I love him so much. He did a really good job making him look like he's been on a boat for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. (laughs) Favorite and most hated characters. Let's start with favorite. Who is your favorite character? I don't know, man. I guess I I do really like Victor Garber, but I think it's just because it's Victor Garber, not that he was the architect. Yeah. Because I mean, dude fucked up. He, he, the aesthetic wasn't right. So he didn't put as many lifeboats as needed to be on the ship. Yeah. And then I think he knew that the holes could be breached, but it would have had to be in a very specific way. So he's like, it's fine. That'll never happen. And touted it as unsinkable. And boy, was he wrong. I did really, the, the most of the characters in third class really endeared me to them. Mm. Fabrizio. That horrible Italian accent. Oh, it was bad. God. <laughs> so I even, I just wrote that Italian accent in my notes. It was so bad. I, was I think offended. it was, <laughs> he was just... It it was really interesting to see that although they were like third class and lower than low in the eyes of the elite, they were the ones actually trying to help people and get them on ships and not just either pretending that the ship wasn't sinking or making deals and paying people off to get on lifeboats. Right. So I I liked Fabrizio and the other guy, Danny. What the hell is his name? What's the Irish Irish guy? 
Yeah. Yeah. The Irish guy. I can't you're, remember. You're much better than me. I didn't remember anybody's names, but <laughs> oh my God. Well, my favorite character was definitely Kathy Bates's character, Molly Brown. Uh, yeah. She was, you know, like the saving grace of somebody I felt like I can actually root for that had some sense that was, I guess it's because she was new money. So she wasn't as pull up her ass kind of horrible human being, but I she very was much third liked her. class. She was third class living in the elite world. So mm-hmm. she kind of, she had that sense about her. She was hood rich. Let's just put it out there. She was hood nothing wrong with that. <laughs> New money. Her husband was an oil tycoon. Yeah. Can't be mad at it. She was definitely my favorite. And of course, I, I really did love Victor Garber, even though he messed up. But even when he was horrible and legally blonde, I still love him. I, he's just, he's a national treasure. He is. Yeah. I hope to meet him one day. He's definitely on my list of famous people that I think are actually decent human beings. Okay. Yes. The fact that Jennifer Garner calls him dad just oh, don't. makes me. <laughs> don't, don't bring up my boot. I love her so much. I can't wait to leave <laughs> you one of her movies. Most hated characters. I mean, the list, I, I think I just want to say the entire cast, except for the people we just mentioned. Yes. I didn't hate Rose. I just didn't care about her. <laughs> same, same with Leo. The guy who reminded me of the skinny guy, Crispin Glover's character from Charlie's Angels. Like uh, Cal's henchman, uh, Billy Zane's henchman that just did his bidding. I'm like, who is he? (laughs) Why is he there? He didn't care about his his life at all. No. He wasn't even trying to like say, fuck this job, I'm out. Like he was trying to kill Leah to the end. He didn't care. Yeah, that was weird. I didn't understand who he was or what he was about. I mean, obviously, Billy Zane was a complete douchebag. Still love him, though. (laughs) I mean, Billy Zane, not his character. (laughs) You know, honestly, I didn't really hate him till the end. Um, When he grabbed that fucking kid to get on a lifeboat, I was like, no, sir. I was mad. You do not use a child. You do not use a child like that. He may have used the child, but he saved the child. Nobody else was was trying to pick up that kid. Child. Nobody was trying to pick up that kid. Someone was going to pick that child up and throw it in a lifeboat. Let me just give context. Um, Towards the end of the movie, when obviously the ship is sinking, Billy Zane's character, after multiple attempts to capture Rose, kill Jack get his diamond, which he has lost at this point. Um, He says, you know what? I'm going to try to save myself. And at that point, they stopped caring about the elite and gave everybody a chance to get on the boats. And so he had to think on his feet. He saw a crying child in the corner abandoned. I don't believe anybody was going to come back to get this child. He swooped her up and said, I got to get my baby girl or boy. I'm not sure what the what the child was um I gotta get him I gotta get him on the boat and they got the child on the boat and on top of that when he got on the boat and someone took the baby so that he can get on he grabbed the baby again just for some some additional like just in case insurance and I was just like (laughs) I I I I don't like him and his ethics but I'm all about you know in situations you you gotta live you gotta survive it didn't hurt anybody 
maybe his the mother that might have been stuck but I'm not mad at it (laughs) and the mom the mom she just once you realize they have no money and that's why she needs her daughter to marry this rich guy I had like a smidge of empathy but yeah, no, I, I I agree. And if you look at the time period when women didn't have the opportunity to really make their own fortunes or make their own livelihoods, they definitely, marriage was a huge part of survival. And unfortunately, the father dying and leaving them penniless, the one thing that they had left of value was Rose. It was kind of gross now that you think about it that she was 17. And she was already engaged to this much older man, but that was the mentality. I get it. It it sucks. It's horrible, but that's, that's how they survived. Yeah. I don't know. Let's, um, talk, let's talk about the music. Oh God. Danielle. Like by the second time they played that pan flute interlude of my heart will go on, which is literally <laughs> like 15 minutes into the movie. I swear. They use that thing like 30 times and I was over it. Like my last note of the entire movie was so much pan flute. (laughs) How did you know it was a pan flute, Jackie? Like seriously. Uh, Penny was, it's very, it sounds very pan flutey to me. (laughs) It's like one of those read things. That's what it sounded like to me. All right. All right. Sorry. Sorry, music majors. If I am uh, incorrectly identifying that uh, musical instrument. I the Okay. So the music obviously played a huge part of just setting the tone as most, most of the music in any movies do. For me, it was more about the characters playing the music on the boat all the way to the end that really annoyed the shit out of me because what? The the band? Yes. So that actually happened. That's historically accurate. I still don't care. It's fucking crazy. Y'all just playing. <laughs> You're not trying to save yourself. You're just going to be playing these instruments. And it's not, I don't know how much it really helped the the panic, but- yeah, I, I do want to talk about obviously the hit song that was accompanied to the movie with Celine Dion. I love Celine Dion. I really do. She's amazing. But my God, if you were in that time period and you didn't want to blow your brains out from that song, I commend you because I mean. So with this movie, when it came out, there were two teams. You were either Team Titanic best fucking movie ever and you rewatched the shit out of it you were going to marry leo dicaprio you had the song on repeat you were all in yeah and then there was team let the bitch sink and (laughs) i think it's pretty obvious which team danielle and i fell on and that was team let the bitch sink because the music was just obnoxious after like just even listening to how many times they rehashed the song in the movie Mm. like there was never just it played once or twice it was over and over and over and over again and I just I couldn't I I didn't find the characters intriguing or likable and so the whole romance 
was lost on me. (laughs) Well, this, I didn't like the romance because I never believed the chemistry between them. I, I guess when I first saw the movie, I always thought Kate Winslet looked a little bit older than Leo because he has that baby face not anymore but at the time when I rewatched it I felt a little bit more than I did when I initially saw it in the movie theater yeah I was just never on the bandwagon for for that but back to the music one thing that I always wondered was okay we got one hit out of this movie where's the rest of it why is there only one song and I don't even know what that soundtrack looked like was it just Celine and then just the compose, composer's music? Or I don't know. But um, apparently James Cameron didn't want to have any songs for the movies. The composer actually secretly recorded the song with Celine Dion. And then even Celine Dion didn't really think that the, the song was going to be that great. But then they listened to it together. And apparently they all cried during the recording when they made the song. And that's how a hit is made, people. <laughs> don't believe in it. And then it shall do abundantly well. Yeah, I just, and I do love a Celine Dion. She's up for anything. That's what I love about her. Yes, I agree. Okay, so the theme of arrogance. I started watching the movie. The very first scene where Rose is in it, it's her coming out of the car. And as she's getting onto the boat, one of her first speaking parts, I guess, her her words are, she felt as if she was aboard a slave ship taking her to America in chains and I wrote the fucking audacity that alone set the tone of how entitled she was it set the tone that I was gonna fucking hate this movie and then I remember James Cameron actually wrote it ships and going to America are huge thing for the African-American experience for slavery meant, you know, all of that. And to start the movie, having your main character say that was just what the tone down as hell. When they're boarding this ship of opulence and extravagance, she wasn't in third class. No, I mean, she was like in the suite. She was in the presidential suite of the ship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, The thing I did like about the movie was that it did have a clear cut look at the classism that existed in the time and on that boat. It was very clear that these people were having two distinct experiences, very different from each other. Um, And it, it does play out as well when the boat is sinking. The fact that the priority of who was going to be able to be saved were the people who were deemed more important because of money. But it quickly changed once the boat was really going down. And then all those people, all those workers with that mentality that because they're rich, you have to treat them better. And then now you're dying because you deemed them better than you in a well, life like, is a life. All of, all of the workers in the boiler room. Oh, that was like, so sad. When they started closing all the gates and like they were Indiana Jones in the, the gates trying to get underneath them and stuff. And then... It was interesting when Rose and Jack were trying to get away from the skinny guy with the gun. They ran through the boiler room and they lamped their hands over their ears. And no one in that boiler room was wearing hearing protection. I'm like, are they all just deaf? What, what's oh, going man. on? They couldn't even get some earmuffs or like, no cotton in the ears. Nothing. Yeah. It was just how they were treated. And I'm sure working in that boiler room had to have been the worst. just 
Awful. Yeah. What, so just as a reference, what Jackie's speaking to is when the Titanic hit the iceberg, it hit the side of the boat and it started to flood all the bottom compartments where the boiler room was. And so they tried to get ahead of it from my understanding and start closing off sections. So the water wouldn't spread. And that meant closing off the sections with people in it. They didn't even give people a warning to try to get them out. So that whole scene was just it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to the arrogance and why we even got to this point where they started to have to close off where the damage was happening, there were so many different people that were complicit and why this happened in the first place. You have Victor Garber's character who created and was the architect, like Jackie said, and they did not put enough lifeboats on on the boat at all because of the look. And that, what was the other guy's character? The one that, did he bankroll it? Like, did he own it? I, I don't remember. The one that was like, we need to go faster. We need to get in yeah. a day early. Yeah. I don't know what his role was. I don't know. Maybe he was the PR person for it or something. I feel like he I ha- had to have given money or something because I just yeah I'll look it up you keep talking there's (laughs) there's his character there's the character uh the captain who takes the orders of going faster when he knows better he's had years of experience they're out in the Atlantic and they know that there is a visibility issue of not being able to see too far out, but he still gets kind of, he gets pushed into trying to get to New York faster, which obviously- Oh, he was- Go ahead. That guy that that wanted to go faster and get in a day early, he was the director of the White Star Line. Gotcha. So he was from the shipping company, you know? Yes. Yeah. He was very arrogant as well. And he was thinking more about money and it wasn't good enough that the boat was considered unsinkable. It was the biggest. He wanted it also to show off how fast it was. So there you go with those wonderful men. Another- wonderful rich white man that was out of control was Billy Zane's character. I mean, the fact that his girl is trapped in around with Leo's gutter ass, he, he doesn't seem to mind it at first. He's so arrogant and thinking that there's no way that she could leave him for this penniless yeah. drifter that he doesn't even take the threat seriously. I wrote, is Jack Aladdin? Because <laughs> I was just kind of thieving when he needed to but really had a heart of gold I was like and then he found his princess Rose (laughs) and showed her how the other half lived Jack is an early 20th century Aladdin (laughs) oh man I definitely had issues with him like that scene where you know Rose kind of starts to speak up a little more she's being feisty about what she wants to deal with and he ain't having that so he slapped a bitch, slapped her straight oh. in the face. Mm-mm. And I don't believe any man should hit a woman. But because I just so much didn't like her character, I'm not going to say I wasn't like, huh, okay. But he he was definitely an ass. I, I think it, that was the point where I was like, okay, before he's just an arrogant rich guy. But now I'm like, okay, he's an abusive asshole who thinks yep. that even though, you know, they're supposed to be husband and wife soon, he thinks he owns her. And I, I just didn't agree with that. Another person who was kind of a background character, didn't have many lines, was Mr. Guggenheim. 
Yes. I, I literally, <laughs> he, he comes down, he knows the ship is sinking and he asks for a chair and a brandy. And I wrote Guggenheim brandy ride or die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a crazy thing. Like when all of this, the differences between how they were alerting people at the bottom of the ship that they needed to put life vests on and, and get ready versus how they were telling the people in the higher class. It, it was crazy. They were yelling, throwing life vests at the people at the bottom. At the top, they were just, well, we suggest, we highly suggest that you come downstairs and, you know, we highly suggest you put these on. It was just You'll very You'll be able hand-holding. to return to your room in a moment. Right. Yeah. Um, the ladies all still had their fancy hats on. Guggenheim yeah. was in a top hat and tails. There was that lady that got on a lifeboat and then she was like, oh, hold up. I need to retrieve something from my room real quick. I'm like, <laughs> there's no time for that, woman. Get your ass in the lifeboat if you want to live. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It, you know what? As I was watching that movie, all I could think of is how it resonates with what we're going through right now in this pandemic. How we have people who are just, you know, facts are right in their face and they still choose to have this arrogance about them that they know better or that they would have to change their routine or their lifestyle in any way to inconvenience them. And so that really sat with me because look how long it's been and we're still kind of going through the same situations like people having do that not learn. sense of entitlement yeah it, it was yeah. it was crazy that's why I was like when I was sitting there watching the movie Serena was with me and she was like eat the rich and really at it I was like okay Serena I can't hear the movie the only two scenes in the movie where I actually had an emotional connection and that was when the captain was standing in his little quarters with the wheel and stuff and the water busted in, I got a like <gasps> type feeling because even though, like he wasn't a bad guy. He was just doing what he was told and made a bad decision. Yeah. I felt for the captain. He was under immense pressure and he just caved. And then plus drowning's not a way to No, <laughs> no. And then the second one was, I just said, uh, all the third class passengers who didn't stand a chance. Yeah. They were locked down there so that they didn't even have a chance to, to, to get yeah. out, to survive. Yeah. That family that was trying to translate how to even exit and what to do. Um, yes. Because they were from another country. They obviously didn't speak or read English. And they were, as a family, are just looking at this book. I mean, it was... They, they were speaking, I'm pretty sure they were speaking Arabic. They yelled yella, which means hurry up. I noticed that too. And I was just like, they can't even read the signs to know which way to go. Let's talk about Rose and the multiple opportunities that she had to escape and how she botched almost every last one of them till the end. And with those decisions, how it actually put Jack's life in jeopardy in the in the long yep. run. The first time she gets on and she is not with Jack. Jack has been captured by the skinny man as Jackie has <laughs> identified him. Um, he is stuck at the bottom of one of the bottom uh, state rooms. 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 Yeah. yeah. He's down there handcuffed and he can't escape. 
And Rose is now being put on one of the boats and she's in the boat. She gets off. She Mm -hmm. says she's got to find Jack. It was with her, her mother and Molly Brown. They have all gotten onto a boat. She decides she's going to go get Jack. Okay. I'm not too mad at it because she did help Jack escape. And these are the parts of the movie where they're trying to figure out how to get out. This is where they're interacting with a lot of the people in the lower class who have been actually stuck. And like Jackie said, no chance to get out. The second time she gets to another boat, another opportunity to get on. And this time it's with Jack and her fiance who have secured her this spot. They're both pretending that they are not going to try to fucking kill each other once they get her on the boat. This is the time that her fiance, Billy Zane's character, gives her his jacket, not realizing he has put the huge ass diamond in that pocket. So now she has the diamond in there. She gets there, lowering the boat. This bitch says, no, I want to be with Jack still. And I wrote, she's an idiot getting (laughs) off that lifeboat. Yeah, if she had gotten on the lifeboat, he would have had the door all to himself. Exactly. Jack, I 100% believe, would have had the opportunity to survive. He would have found a way to get away from Slenderman and Billy Zane, Daddy Warbucks, and he would have survived But because this dumb bitch jumps off and says, I want to be with Jack. Now he's not. She signed his his death certificate right there. He's now having to think about how to help this entitled princess survive. She has zero, zero skills of survival and himself as well. And then when she gets off, he's screaming at her, but then also really aggressively kissing her, which was a super unsettling scene. I didn't care for it. So weird. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things that we definitely have to talk about is the scene at the end, the door scene, the big debate that everyone around the world has had. I think it was Kiki Palmer who recently had an interview where she talks about how crazy it is that Jack had to die because the both of them could have fit on top of the door. Yeah. Um, I agree. They, I feel like they both could have fit on the door. Well, let's be real. They have been traipsing around in that freezing ass water for over an hour. They both would have been dead already. Yeah. They both would have already had hypothermia. She gets into the water like it's nothing to go look for the axe to get him out of handcuffs. And then he jumps because he's standing on a desk to stay out of the water. And as soon as she breaks his handcuffs, he jumps in the water and he's immediately like, holy shit, like yeah. it's cold. They would have been already yeah. gone. But yes, it just a little more. And I guess how well is your brain working in 20 yeah. degree water? But there were definitely ways that two people could have fit on the board. I wish Mythbusters would have done. <laughs> <laughs> would Jack have fit on the board and it still flipped? I feel like also they could have taken turns. I don't know. That really pissed me off. And then that part where she's grasping his hands and he tells her to never let go. And then as soon as she sees the boat, she realizes he's dead. She releases his hand and says, well, I'll never let go. But you let him go. I mean, he's already Um, dead. But I was like, this bitch a liar. I I said, I'll never let go. But I'm a let go. (laughs) (laughs) I also... 
those dudes, the guys that obviously worked for the ship line, who finally were able to fill the lifeboats to capacity to empty some boats to go back and look, they were the real MVPs. Like they didn't have to do that, but they felt a sense of duty to go back and look for survivors. Yeah. I mean, out of anyone, I um, like them the most. (laughs) (laughs) Them and Molly Brown and Molly Brown had to shut up or else they were going to throw her ass. I know they, they turned on a bitch real quick. Yeah. She tried to advocate when some of the boats were consolidating. She tried to advocate that they could fill more people in their boat. Let's go back and get some people. And they told her to sit her ass down or she'd be thrown off the boat. It's like, wow. You know, I just wonder in those kind of situations, like after it's all over, how do you really live with yourself? So much death, so so much unnecessary. Well, I think, I think the elite were probably because they were in that mind frame of me first and, and treating people as less than. Yeah. What I found was very confusing. So the sinking of the Titanic was just a conglomeration of errors that should have never fucking took place. Mm. So you have the not enough lifeboats by the architect. You have the dude that we need to go faster. And then the captain that gets a note saying that there's ice in the area. Be careful. But then caves to the we need to go faster. And then you have the dudes in the crow's nest, not really paying attention, not doing their job. <laughs> They're watching Jack and Rose. And that what was historically accurate was that kind of throwaway line of the dude saying, have you found the key to the binoculars? Do you notice the guys in the crow's nest don't have binoculars? And what had happened was... In the real life Titanic, there is a person who was in charge of the key that was either fired or quit right before the ship set sail. And so he took the key with him or didn't tell them where he put the key. And so that was a real life fact that they had woven into the movie was the binoculars were on the ship, but they couldn't get to them because they were locked up, which I don't know by a couple hours in where you just not like, let's find something to cut this lock off. We need the binoculars, right? Let's destroy this box so that we have the tools we need to be safe. The sinking didn't need to happen, which makes it that more tragic that so many lives were lost. There were 1500 people, I think that ultimately lost their lives. They only ever recovered about 340 bodies. Also little factoid. I went on a trip to San Francisco with Ken and there is a Liberty ship there called Jeremiah O'Brien and Ken loves a historically significant military ship. Hmm. And so we're always going on battleships and all of that. The Jeremiah O'Brien is the last remaining Liberty ship. Liberty ships are the ships that would take supplies to Europe during World War II. They were made out of wood because they weren't expected to make the trip back. We're touring it We walk into the boiler room and I'm like, I've been here before. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I have seen this place before. I don't know why. I don't know how. So I I hop on my phone, start Googling it. It was the boiler room they used when filming Titanic. Oh, Jackie, I thought this was going a whole nother direction. I was was like, are we going to spiritual TikTok? Is this a, you know, Shirley MacLaine moment? Was this another life? Because I'm for it. 
I'm here for it. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I'm just, Damn. I had seen <laughs> tape two of Titanic enough to recognize the boiler scene IRL. <laughs> When you go back and rewatch our Zoom, you you you'll see my eyes just like <laughs> intently. What's like, happening? Whoa, are we having this moment? Well, one of the other things that was interesting because obviously we know this movie made a boatload of money, but they didn't know that it was going to make that much. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> what was what's so funny? Your boatload pun. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't even. I didn't even, I'm so good. I didn't even know. I didn't even know, realize that I did that. <laughs> so the movie made a boatload of money, but the movie budget was two times more than they had initially planned. And it was the most expensive movie of all time at the time. 20th Century Fox had to invite another company to split the expenses. The other company was their competitor, Paramount. And in fact, nobody believed that the movie was going to actually earn any money or earn the money back. So that I thought was really interesting. When we talk about the Titanic and I started looking at some of the facts, if you guys don't know, hopefully there's a lot of new listeners on here who aren't my friends and family. I'm a huge conspiracy crazy person. So... I definitely looked at some conspiracy theories when it came to the Titanic and boy, oh boy, there are a lot of them. I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. Oh my God. There are so many different curses, theories. JP Morgan made the Titanic crash, all sorts of stuff. But if you're, you know, bored, I would highly recommend looking into some of the conspiracy theories because they're interesting and funny. (laughs) I do want to say that as much as I do not care for this movie, the cinematography was beautiful. Yeah. The costuming was gorgeous. Perfect. They made sure when they were dressing Kate Winslet that the costumes like wouldn't change colors when wet so that it kept that continuity. But everything about that early 20th century fashion was on point. Her shoes were to die for. I was like, I just want those little ankle boots. My grandma watched this movie with me, Nana, to everyone who knows, Myrtle. (laughs) her street name um (laughs) she had never seen the movie before and I didn't know that and so she was watching it with me and she very much loved the hats loved the hats that everybody was wearing and she also believed just side note that Jack should have survived too she had questions like why didn't she move over (laughs) I think we just (laughs) I think we need commentary from Nana for everybody just like and now Myrtle's opinion. <laughs> Obviously, we can't end this without talking about the diamond at the end and Rose's bitch ass. So Rose gets to live a full life. And even though she, she rides the horses like a cowboy <laughs> at that amusement park, she goes to the lake that Jack talks about growing up at. She, she becomes does, an actress. She, she lives the life that Jack wanted to live she does and I just think it's really interesting that she changed her name to Dawson which is Jack's last name and she gets to just you know live this great life and I just thought that was so interesting because she didn't have any money they thought she died on the Titanic so where did she get money from she never sold diamonds no and okay so the diamond I thought when Jack sketched his uh, Draw Me Like a 
your one of your French lady pictures for her where she's got her titties out with the diamond and she leaves it in the safe for Cal. I thought she took the diamond and left. Like ever since I first saw the movie, I thought she took the diamond and left the picture. Like, fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to take care of my mama. I'm my own woman. Right. Peace. You gave it to me. It's mine. I'm taking it. I guess I just never correlated that the diamond was in the pocket of, I guess I missed that part. The pocket he, of he, the- he went back to the safe and that's how they were going to plant it. They planted it on Jack. He got it back and then he took it as security. He went to go get cash and the diamond when he wanted to buy his way onto a boat. So that's why he had it and it wasn't in the safe anymore. That's I, I just, I don't know why in my brain, I, I always thought it was just a random piece of jewelry they threw in Jack's coat. Yeah. To say he uh, stole from them. But I don't know why in my brain, I always thought that Rose stole the necklace to make a new life for her and herself. Me being an idiot and thinking that (laughs) she stole that bitch. I mean, I guess because that's what I would have done. I just assume. I just feel like she wouldn't have been able to get away with that because I like in the beginning of the movie, they talk about how the diamond actually had insurance on it and that his Mm -hmm. father claimed it and got money. So I don't think she would have been able to get away with selling it legally, at least. Oh, that's true. Not being caught. And she's a woman. So nobody would have believed her anyways. Yeah. I I would love a side story, an extra to know how she made it with nothing. And it was King Louis diamond 50. Hold on. I have it in my notes. 56 carats. Was that factual? Was that part of the movie, um, just the movie plot? Or was that something that actually happened? Did they lose that diamond? No. It was just for the movie. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I said to myself as watching the movie is that James Cameron sure does love marrying his leading ladies or actors in his movie, because the lady that plays Rose's daughter is his wife. Just oh. like, yeah. And then obviously he married linda hamilton from terminator terminator prior to that because i remember reading that a long time ago that yeah they got married in 2000 Susie amos cameron i remember re- as she was in titanic as what and then when we rewatched i was like oh i forgot she had a granddaughter i had questions about rose even going on that expedition i would think pretty much anyone who was on that ship and encountered that horrible, horrible tragedy would never step foot on a ship again. She was like, okay, let's go visit Titanic. So many people you knew died right. on I think, a ship. I think she was motivated by that painting. She wanted to see it. Yeah. That was like a tie to Jack. I think that was probably the one thing that kind of pushed her. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. Why the fuck did she throw that diamond off the goddamn boat? Yes. <laughs> uh- I wrote the exact same thing. I felt like there was no catalyst for it. There was no need. Yeah. I mean, it was almost a hundred years later. She could have gone back and said, Hey, I know they made the claim on this, but I have it. You can check it out. It's legit. And at least donated it instead of just throwing it into the Atlantic ocean. And when she climbs up on the railing to do so, those are not old lady feet. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine that 90 something year old lady was really, they had to get a stunt double to do that. Well, her toesies were nice and painted. They were, I did notice that. (laughs) 
<laughs> and they weren't like old people. Sorry, old people. You know, your toenails get thick and hard and stuff. Ugh. They were not old people toes. I was more focused on that than anything else in that scene. Pretty much because I knew she throws the diamond in the ocean. And that was such a stupid move on her part. It was weird. It was. I didn't know. I, she- did, I didn't get it. I didn't know if she did that so that they could find it, you know, because they were looking for it. Like, Why not just give it to the dude? I don't know. Rose, because the dude if was... If you're the out dude, there, Rose, tell us why. Let us know. You can tell the dude was sweet on her granddaughter. Here's a, a wedding gift for y'all. Have a good life. You got a whole wedding out of that small exchange between the people. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like ship people are are quick to form bonds. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I just want to go back really quick. Did you know James Cameron has been married five times? That's a lot. Yeah, That's like Liz hell? Taylor type shit. Yeah. He Well, I mean, how many movies has he put out? <laughs> <laughs> what is his movie to wife ratio? I think he's done more movies than five. Okay. But I don't know who the first two ladies are. But Catherine Bigelow was one of his wives, the one who yes. directed Her Locker. Her Locker, Linda Hamilton, Bad Bitch Forever, and then Susie. <laughs> Susie. <laughs> okay. He's got a lot of wives, a lot of alimony, I'm sure. So let's get to our ratings. My final thought on the whole movie was she died old and warm in her bed. So that's good, I guess. <laughs> Was it her bed or was she still on the ship? That is, I feel like ambiguous. Hmm. Was it, okay, I've let go of the heart of the ocean. So now I can die and have this fucking bizarre reunion reunion with everyone on the ship that's going to applaud when I finally meet Leo at the top of the stairs. My grandma had some issues with that scene. Oh, I want to hear Myrtle's take (laughs) This. Rose dies and then there's that mm-hmm. scene and obviously it's an unspoken thing that she's meeting up with her dead peeps my grandma says wait a minute isn't he dead <laughs> <laughs> the symbolism was lost on Myrtle yeah I was like uh no she's in heaven with the people that died on the ship oh but is that what he was wearing when he when he died I said, Nana, it doesn't matter. He's dead. <laughs> They're in heaven. He can wear what he wants. <laughs> Thanks, Nana. Keeping that lively for me at the end. I love that. <laughs> because even... the whole movie just didn't make sense at all. <laughs> she didn't even get mad about the diamond thing. I don't even think she knew what was happening there. But then she saw Jack and was like, wait a minute. <laughs> What's happening? I thought that Jane's supposed to be there. <laughs> oh, man. Okay present day rating uh me me first you first well i thought it was trash originally now i kind of feel like it's wavering in between trash and a two-day rental mainly because i think as a person in my youth i didn't appreciate the cinematography i didn't appreciate the conversations about class themes of class i definitely think it's somewhere in between it's not full trash half trash that's mine what about yours typically when I've been watching re-watching movies for the podcast I've tried really hard to be very present take notes this movie was 80 hours long Danielle I was at point checking Instagram I was on the floor playing with the dog at one point I could not sit 
for almost three hours and focus on this movie. And I've sat through three hour long movies before, but this one just, it dragged so much that I would give it a one day rental. But like I said, it takes 80 hours to watch it. So it would have to be a two day rental just to get through the goddamn thing. (laughs) And I ended up breaking it up over two days re-watching it because it was, it was almost midnight and I was like I can't continue to watch this ship sink for another hour I yeah. just can't yes the cinematography is beautiful the costuming was on point <sighs> just that everything else was hot garbage yeah yeah agreed you're giving it a two-day rental or two-day a- rental just because it's it takes two days. Yeah, it's 500 <laughs> hours long. Last time when, when we did Empire Records, both of us had pages of notes, you more than me. But my notes for this one, it's not even a full page. There's like five lines on here. It's bad. I, I felt the same way as you. I, I just, I hate it so much. There's nothing that can save it. I'm not writing any more lines. I'm not giving this movie any more energy. That's how I felt when I left the movie theater the first time I saw it. I will never watch this again. That's what I said. But for you guys, for the podcast, I did it. And I think we were hoping maybe. Yeah. Some time apart. (laughs) Some time away from this movie. (laughs) Some time away from this movie would have maybe changed our opinions. And it's, I'm good for another 20 years. I'm good for for life. (laughs) Oh, life. I don't want to see this movie again. <laughs> and I'm really sorry for all of those on Team Titanic, because I know you're probably shaking your fist, but I mean, the heart wants what it wants. And I want to never watch this movie again. 100%. But if you feel that we've wronged you in some way, do two things. Go to our social media pages. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, no more late fees. Follow us and then comment and write some things and we'll engage. No problem. But the first key is is, is follow us. Like Jackie Please. said. <laughs> we ain't too proud to make. No. <laughs> and we can have an educated conversation. And that's it. We did Titanic. We did the thing. We did the thing. I think this out of any movie we ever do will be the one that we hate on the most. So much. So coming much. strong out of the gate, like one of my favorite movies of all time <laughs> in Empire Records, and then my least favorite movie of all time. But so the the other movies <laughs> that will come up, it will be more of a disagreement between Jackie and I. Of yeah. One will like it, one will hate it. But this one, hundred percent, same team garbage. Hate it. Thank you guys so much for joining us again. We had so much fun. We hope you had fun. Join us next week. Check out our social channels to see which movie we'll be doing and have a great week. 